so on today's show, I have my lovely friend, Lisa DeYoung. Lisa, welcome to Life Unscripted. Thanks for inviting me, Curtis, to be a part of this. Well, thank you for wanting to come on and share uh, your knowledge and wisdom with the audience. Uh, Lisa, could you tell us a little bit about who you are and what specifically it is that you do? I would love to do that. So I am the president and the founder of the Play Therapy Institute of Colorado, which is a training center for therapists worldwide in a particular model of play therapy called Synergetic Play Therapy, which is also a model of play therapy that I also created. I'm also an author and an international speaker and teacher. I travel a lot. I also do a lot of one-on-one -on -one coaching with adults. So I spend my, my time with both the, the children and, and the adults. And, and then I'm also a mom. So that's, that's what I do. <laughs> so that's busy. That's a lot. <laughs> it is. <laughs> how did, can you tell us how you got into being an entrepreneur? So... Very much sometimes I, I laugh because I'm kind of a, a mash between my mom and my dad. So my mom was the therapist or is the therapist and my dad is the successful entrepreneur. And as a young child, my dad would tell me these stories of on the weekends, I would go into his office and he would sit at the table and he would be doing his bills and his business stuff. And he would be taking things and, you know, throwing them in the trash can or whatever it is. And I would sit on the floor and I would pull whatever he was throwing away out of the trash can. And I would on the floor next to him, pretend like I was running my own business. I would write things. I would stamp things. I would organize them. And so this feeling of creating something that's just mine, I've had it since a really little girl. And I remember loving the feeling of running a business whatever it was that I was dreaming about at, you know, age six, you know, age seven, age eight. And so I've always had this feeling inside of, I want to, I want to be my own boss. I want to own something for myself and I want to create something and offer something to the world that is from my own my own development and my own thinking. Um, and that's, that's been with me really since a, I was a really, really young girl. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. So what did you go and pursue uh, in your studies to develop that and kind of nurture that into a, a career? Yeah. So I, I had a journey that I think is pretty familiar with many people's journey, which is that I struggled to find the right fit for a long time. So, you know, I studied multiple degrees in college because I kept switching my majors because I couldn't quite land on the thing that I wanted. And in many ways, I was going from one study to the next based on what people told me I would be good at, rather than me just really feeling into what would I love to do. And so I you know, I had a sense of what I wanted to do, but I also felt pretty lost along the way, which I think is a pretty familiar feeling. And then, and then I finally landed on psychology through a whole series of events that finally landed me into something that just grabbed me at my core that I was so deeply excited about. And, and once I landed on that thing, it, it just really started to take off and the ideas came. And so I'm going to say that my journey has been a combination of figuring out what I love and allowing myself to pursue that, but that's not enough. It was that right next to learning how to challenge all of my beliefs and thoughts about what I could or couldn't do, because as a therapist in training, there were limitations in the field about what a therapist, how big of a business are you allowed to create? You know, there were ceilings and, you know, was it okay? Is it okay to make a lot of money as a, as a therapist? And so there were these beliefs in the industry that I had to conquer. And then I became a mom. And then there were these beliefs as a mom who also wanted to be an entrepreneur that I had to overcome. So it was, it was really, it's been this dance of what would I love to do? What am I feeling called towards? And then working through all of the inner brain noise that's in the way 
that is trying to keep me small because I'm living from fear rather than going, wait a second, why do I have to believe that? Wait a second, whose standard is that? Is that my standard? Is that the industry? Why can't I do that? Well, why can't I have both? And so it's been a real journey of finding my own voice and allowing myself to be me, even if it means rejection, even if it means, you know, going beyond the, the, the norms and having people question me, pushing envelopes really over and over and over and over again. So it's, it's been both. There's a lot I want to open up and everything is explaining with that piece. But can you talk about what it was like when you had your daughter and continued to build a practice and stay as an entrepreneur? Absolutely. Because I think a lot of, you probably could relate, but a lot of people think it's kind of one or the other. Absolutely. So the first thing that I know will we'll share is that in my body, I started to have symptoms that started to reveal to me that I was not being as authentic as I could be. So one of the things that's always been meaningful for me, and I'm talking about this in terms of like the parent-child relationship, is I've always held this idea that the most important thing I can offer my child is for my child to look into my eyes and for her to see the twinkle. And, and when I talk about the twinkle, the twinkle is excitement and zest for life. This deep sense of, don't you love this? Isn't this an amazing experience that we get to be a part of? That twinkle. And my symptoms were showing that the twinkle wasn't there. So I started to go through uh, periods of depression. I started to feel lethargic. I was questioning myself because my time and energy was feeling really split between motherhood and work. And I hadn't quite figured out yet how to have both. So when I was with my daughter, I would be thinking about work. And I was with work, I was beating myself up thinking I was a crap mom because I should be with my daughter. And so I had a lot of inner brain noise telling me that I was bad or wrong for wanting to be both. And that was quite the journey for me to go through and go, actually, and here's the golden question. How is me being who I am? So how is me being this woman who has a drive to be of service in the world, to be an entrepreneur, how is that being actually the best mom for my daughter? How is me being who I am actually the mom that she needs more than any other mom that I could conjure up and imagine in my mind about who I think that she needs. And once I made that switch, that, that was a game changer right there. Yeah, it's pretty I, deep. It's pretty deep. <laughs> <laughs> can, you, can you elaborate on that? I can. Okay. Question so a bit more of how deep that is for someone to be like, well, that's really not what a mother looks like according to what we're brought up and what society looks like of a mom. Absolutely. So let me get really practical, like what I had to do. Yeah. So um, I had to really, again, asking that question, how is me being me perfect for her? And in order for me to do that, I had to get really clear about what was important to her. And so at the time, so we're talking like, so she's 12 now. Um, but at the time we're talking about like two, maybe period of like between ages two and four, you know, really. And, um, and I really had to look at what was important to her and what was really important to her. So she's an only child. So it was important to her was social friends, being around people, you know, like that was such a missing piece for her in her life by not having siblings. And that was really, really key for her. She's also a super, super creative child. So anytime that someone could paint with her or make something with her, you know, that's when the twinkle would show up in her eyes. And she also was an incredibly curious child. So even though I would be traveling, when I would come home from my travel, she wanted to know, where did you go? Who did you get to meet? Mommy, tell me about the kids that you met, the kids in the orphanages that don't know who their mommies and daddies are. 
tell me about, show me pictures of the land, show me pictures of the people. So there's also a part of her that was really interested in her, in her own four-year away of having a, a bit of a global vision. Mm -hmm. And so I had to look in inside and go, okay, how is me teaching, coaching, traveling, actually going to help her and is helping her? And it culminated one night. So she and I were actually taking a bath together and she had a moment where she looked at me and she went, oh, mom, why do you work so much? You know, you work so much, which had I not done the work, that would have been the like, oh, I'm a horrible mom, the guilt trip, whatever. And because I had taken the time to answer the question, I looked at her and I said, Avery, let me tell you why I'm doing what I'm doing. Let me share with you what I'm up to. Here's what I'm creating. I am so excited to keep traveling and learning because as I'm doing this, I'm making a list of all the places in the world that I'm going to take you someday. Sweetie, I don't want you to just read about the Eiffel Tower in a book. I want you to touch the Eiffel Tower. Sweetie, Machu Picchu, yeah, we're walking Machu Picchu. You know, cool that you can look at it in photos, but I want your feet, you know, on that soil. And kiddo, you know, while I'm, while I'm teaching and doing all this, sweetie, that's why I've got you enrolled in that art class. And that's why I've got you enrolled in that playgroup because I know how much you love your friends and I see all these creative things that, you know, that you're doing. And the more that I'm doing this, it's allowing you to do this. And I'm building a dream so that someday when you're old enough, you can plug into that dream. If you want to plug into that dream. She literally at age four interrupted me. If you can imagine this flew across the bathtub, <laughs> threw her arms around me. Mommy, thank you so much. Thank you for working so hard. Thank you for loving me so much. And that's the ongoing conversation that we have. I tell her about what I'm creating. I think sometimes that's where a little bit of the mismatch is, is that we, as adults, we do our own thing and then we don't share it with our kids. It's a different conversation to go, kiddo, let me show you my vision. Let me map it out for you. Let me tell you about, you know, why I'm traveling here and here's the speech I'm going to be given. And kiddo, do you have any ideas for me? You know, do you have input on things? Like, how do you think I should go about that? And literally get her excited and plugged in to what she's seeing me do. We've had so many conversations and it's really key, you know, her going into the, the tween years now. And when we have conversations, I, and I often ask her, sweetie, give me feedback on how I'm doing as a mom. Mm -hmm. It's a common question. I know I'm not always doing everything the way that you want. I know that we have our, you know, quarrels and that kind of thing, but share with me, you know, what are some of the things that you feel like I'm doing really well? And that kind of thing. Every single time, mom, you're doing what you love. Mom, you are modeling to me what it means to go for it. Mom, you're showing me that it's possible. Mom, you tell me through what you do that if I have a dream in my heart, it's okay for me to go for it. She is a focused kiddo that has already been given permission at an early age that if she's got it in her mm -hmm. with the right resources around her and with the right support and with the right mindset, she can really do whatever she wants to do. And, and that was... We wouldn't have got there if I didn't allow me to be me. I think that's the, that's the key. I needed to be me to model to her that it was okay for her to be her. How did you end up giving yourself permission to do that? So a lot of it was studying with people that had a, a at the time, a more advanced mindset than I mm -hmm. had. I mean, I'll just call it what it is. Yeah people that were able to see life in a different way and help pull me out of my own microscopic view of shoulds and shouldn'ts and black and white thinking and good and bad. One of those big influences was Dr. John Demartini. His work has been really profound in, in my life. And he really helped me begin to question the shoulds and question why I'm believing what I'm believing and 
and really helped me see that I'm not doing damage to people by being who I am. In fact, it's a real disservice to people and it's a real disservice to humanity when I don't be myself. What's the disservice to children when you're not being who you truly would love to go and be? Your with, with your own, with you as a mother. I, I'll say this as a muddle, mother. I'll also say this. Yeah, muddle. Exactly. I'll say, I'll say this as a, a mother. I'll say this as a psychotherapist. I'll say this as someone who trains therapists who works with kids around yes. the world. Um, you're modeling to the child to do the same. You're modeling to the child that part of them is not okay. That part of them deserves to be suppressed. That it's more important to conform than it is to shine. And I think that's a huge disservice for children. Huge. So what does your time look like on a daily basis? Because you are an entrepreneur who is a mother. So how do you strategically manage your time in order to stay focused on the things that you that makes you shine, but also, you know, you have your child as well. Yep. So what does that look like for you? How do you juggle that? Yep. So it's been a, an ongoing evolution. Mm -hmm. So obviously where my business is now is not where it was 10 years ago. And I will say that in less than 10 years, I took a business and I glue it. Uh, what's going on with my language today? <laughs> right. And I, I blew it up into an international, international business in a really, really, really short period of time. And it required me to master the art of delegating in order for me to do it. So me staying clear about who it is that I am, what it is that I love to do when I get confused, because I don't want to also paint some rosy rainbow picture here that I'm like, you know, I've got this down and it's been this like perfect journey. Oh no, 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 no. I've still go through moments of, ah, uh, the shoulds again, or, oh my gosh, you know, I've, I'm losing my inner compass. And those are the times when I have to reach out for help, when I need to do my own internal work in order to integrate what's going on in my own brain noise to help center me, to get me focused. And when I get clear, my next question is, what am I currently doing that I'm not inspired of doing? And where can I find somebody else that would love to do it? And that's how I've created my, my team. So my team at the Institute, I do my best to find people that are inspired to do the particular job that they do. And the moment that they're not, they're not in the right job. It's either time for them to move on or we need to move them into a different part of the business. So becoming a master delegator mm -hmm. has absolutely been huge. I, when Avery is at school, I work my booty off. When, um, when Avery's with me, I do my best to be with Avery. Now, of course, there are times when I still need to attend to business, but the more I can delegate, the less of that I have to do. The more I really do get to compartmentalize my time and go, mom, business. So in the earlier stages, was it more business, maybe a little bit of mom um, or you were I, able to delegate as much. So what I would say is when I was having all the symptoms, it was a lot of mom, not a lot of business uh. delegating more mom so that I could do more business. Then yes, there have been times when I've swung to more business than mom and the journey is what's, you know, what's needed as she moves into the teenage years, actually less mom, more business. She's back into, I want to have more, you know, sleepovers. I want to have more time with friends. So she's not around me as much. So I can, I can plug in. When I travel, I have an amazing support team. So her dad, my mom also uh, lives in town. I have an amazing support team. Her, the, the mothers of her friends, amazing huge support system for me too. So I rely on the village. I know that's such a cliche statement, but I rely on the village to help me raise my daughter. And I have two children. I have my daughter and I have my business. That's my other child. And so I have to rely on my village to also grow my child 
AKA business as mm-hmm. well. I can't raise them both. I want to tackle back into something you said about listening to the body, mm-hmm. kind of listening to the voice within and how important that is not only for, well, let's just talk about how important it is for a woman to be able to like listen into that voice within and listen to the body and see the symptoms that are coming up. Cause I think there might be women who listen to this, who want to pursue a life and have become an entrepreneur, but don't know how to listen to the body. The body never lies. That's what I love so much about it. We lie to ourselves all the time with the thoughts in our head, but our body is our biggest truth teller. So I may say, I really want to do X, Y, and Z. And then my body contracts. The truth is not that I want to do X, Y, and Z. The truth is something about the contraction. Something, my body contracted because I'm scared or because it's actually not congruent for me and I'm about to set myself up for some fantasy. So learning how to listen and tune into the body is absolutely key. I wanna actually share a little thing that I do when I need to make decisions, which I think will drive this home. Okay, awesome. So it's a little game that I play with myself called red light, green light. (laughs) And so here's what I do. So when I need to make a really big decision, I will get really quiet and I will center myself. I'll take some deep breaths, feel my feet on the ground, just get really present. And then I will make a statement. So the statement may be travel to wherever the country is. I'm trying to figure out if that's where I need to travel. Or it may be hire and somebody that I'm considering hiring. Or, I mean, whatever, whatever the statement is, I make the statement. So I sit there, close my eyes, I make the statement, and then I watch what happens in my body. And if absolutely nothing in my body contracts, my body stays energetically open and relaxed, that's a green light. That means go. No red flags, no contraction. What that means is that my energy is aligned with that statement. I have a high probability of that being a successful experience. It's been my, that's been my experience. If, however, I make the statement and all of a sudden I get a horrible stomach ache, like my stomach, ache, my stomach goes like, like in a knot, or all of a sudden I have a wave of nausea, or I just feel my shoulders start to contract or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. That means that's that's red light it's not time it means one of two things i either need to look at what are the fears in the way because something about me isn't quite ready to do it so i need to either work on identifying the fears and then integrating those fears and when i say integrating i mean moving through the fears and beyond the fears so i'm no longer afraid or i really need to do the next step, which is to stop and go, is this a fantasy? Is this really not congruent with where my energy is trying to go? And I will not make a move until I can come back to that statement. And it is so clear in my mind that this is a full on red light that has nothing to do with fears or I get a full green light. That is actually how I make most of my business decisions is from my body letting myself feel into my own uh, connection with the idea or whatever it is that I am, that I'm considering. So powerful. I can't even tell you. Yeah, it's interesting. I was doing some work last night and I wasn't quite done yet. And I started to get a symptom in my right hand where I couldn't uh, fully open it Mm -hmm. and it hurt. And I did some more stuff and sure enough, the symptom went away. And uh, for those who are interested in the mind-body connection, uh, the symptom of the hand is being able to fully open up to the experience and not and let go of what you're holding on to. Mm-hmm. And I was yep. holding on to a certain stance and the pain after I was done with it went away. So back to your question of why is it so important for women to listen to their bodies? Yeah. Because that's where all the answers are. That's, that's where the information we, we, as, as a woman, we are inundated with, and men too, 
but I know the question is specific for women. We're inundated with who we're supposed to be, how we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to look like. Is it okay to make money? Is it not okay to make money? If you're a mom, well, you better be this kind of mom. If you're a wife, you better be this kind of a wife. You know, it's, it's not okay to be a sexual being. It's not okay to be, I mean, oh my gosh. You know, it's like message after message after message. And how do you cut through the bullshit? <laughs> you cut through the bullshit. Knowing who you are and what you'd actually love to do. You can't cut through the bullshit if you don't know that. Otherwise, you will spend your life trying to set goals that are not actually your goals. You will spend your life trying to set goals according to who you think your mother-in-law thinks you should be, who you think your, your spouse thinks you should be, who you think you know, your church thinks you should be, who you think your, you know, the business culture thinks you should be, and the high probability that it's not actually aligned with who you want to be. So that's, that, I mean, that's the, that's the, I think that's the most important inquiry is the, is the who am I question. And just to normalize, it's not an easy answer to discover because we have to sift through so much, so much brain noise. Part of it is questioning where did that belief even come from? Like, whose is that? Does that actually feel congruent for me? Um, and then the biggest one, I know I keep coming back to fears, but I do see in my own work and in my coaching that it typically is the fears and the subordinations that hold us back in life. You know, where, who are the people we give our own inner authority to? What are the fears when we, if we were to speak up to them? What are the fears if we were to leave that job? What are the fears if we gave ourselves permission to say, I want to live a magnificent life? What are the, what are the things we'd actually have to encounter? People around us might get uncomfortable. We might lose relationship. We actually might lose money in the interim. We may be forced to actually redo life. I may be, I mean, truly, that's some scary shit. And then I go, yes, it's scary shit. But if it's going through that to find yourself on the other side, where you wake up in the morning and you go look in the mirror and you actually see your own twinkle, or you live a life and no matter where you find, you can't find the, you search, you can't find the twinkle. Fuck. I, to me, the answer is like really obvious. Yeah. You find the twinkle, whatever the fuck it takes. I think that's like so key for anybody out there, whether it's when you're in a challenging marriage, challenging job, challenging situation. It's like, find your fucking twinkle, dude. And if you don't know how to find it, find people that know that it's there and know how to call it out of you. Sometimes we need to be around people that can see it in us when we can't see it for ourselves and have the courage to fucking listen to them. That's my two cents right there. <laughs> I mean, we can almost stop the show there. That was it. <laughs> but I'd like to keep going here. So I want to dive back into the fears component because I don't think a lot of people even take the time to look at that. And I would say, especially women, um, it seems that values, um, if you would clump up together, at least with you know women who are close in age demographic with you, with me, that a lot are now concerned with you know being the mom, settling down, and they kind of put it's having the babies becomes the entire thing of like the life purpose, but not knowing how to work through the fears that come up with maybe wanting to pursue something outside of that. Yep. And how do you work with someone within the fears? I think that's key also to say for anybody listening, because we also don't want to polarize people going, oh my gosh, maybe I should want to be a, an entrepreneur. Right. It's okay if you don't want to be an entrepreneur. It's okay if your version of being an entrepreneur is being a freaking kick-ass mom. That may be, that's your business. That, that is your business, running your family. You are the entrepreneur of, of your creation. And so I think it's important that listeners go, okay, this is just about what we're talking about is how do we start to notice 
if there's a voice inside that's saying, I want something more, or I want something different. If you're not having that voice, take a deep breath and go celebrate the twinkle, you know, and most people aren't able, aren't in that spot, which I know is why we're having this conversation and why you're creating this, this series to inspire people is that if you start to hear that simultaneously with seeing symptoms in your own life, depression, major anxiety, illness, um, the urge to drink a lot, the urge to check out a lot, zoning out a lot, television, this and that, right? Trying to get these like quick fixes so that you actually feel good during your days because life in general just doesn't feel really inspiring. I mean, if you're starting to notice things in your physiology and patterns in your life, don't fall asleep to that. And that is information saying, yo, something in you is being called forth. Something in you wants to grow. Something in you wants more than what you're experiencing right now. And that is the time to stop and go, what am I so afraid of? What do I feel confined by right now? Where are the constraints that I am imposing on myself or I feel imposed on me? It is completely counterintuitive to go, yes, let me spend some time looking at my fears. It is completely counterintuitive. The reason why the brain is having the fear and is because it's afraid. So it's saying, don't go in that direction. Right. <laughs> don't, don't go there. There's a big boogeyman scary thing over there that's why we're afraid go this way so this conversation is saying actually you need to turn back around and do exactly the opposite of what your brain is telling you to do if you want to break through the pattern because the fear is just an assumption fears are unfounded it's just an assumption and if you let the assumption that something bad's going to happen run you, you will literally like spend your life thinking that something's chasing you and, and you lose your life. So it takes courage to stop and go, what are my fears? Let's get practical. Write them down. Journal about them. Make a list of your fears. For people on here that are artists and you're like, I'm not making a list, paint it. Paint the fears. Create collages about your fears, you know, but get here, out here. Find a way to actually look at what you are, you know, what the brain noise is, and then spend time with what you have created and start to look at, okay, what's the worst case scenario? What's the thing that I think will happen if I do that? What's the, what, like, what am I really, really scared of? Keep going down the freaking rabbit hole. Go all the way, all the way, all the way, all the way down. And then here's the golden question. When you hit the bottom of whatever the fear is, you know, I'll be alone. I'll lose all my money. Um, mm -hmm. I'll be worth nothing. Like, like, I'll feel like I'm worth nothing as a being. You know, my child will hate me and never speak to me for the rest of my life or whatever it is. Here is the counterintuitive golden, put the twinkle back in your eye question. Yeah, let's, let's hear it. <laughs> if your worst case scenario were to come true, how would it benefit you? If the worst thing you could imagine happened, what's the gift that could come of it for you? What's the gift that would come of it to other people that would be affected by that decision? How does that experience ultimately serve you? How does that experience ultimately serve the other the people in your life? How does it help you grow? What's it going to force you to learn? What are you going to get to let go of? What are you going to get to hold on to? And keep looking and keep looking because the truth is, is that everything in life is nothing more than an event. That's it. It's actually just an event. It becomes a good or bad event once we decide that it's a good or a bad event. But the event itself is just an event. And every single event is a two-sided experience. And when we're afraid, we're only seeing that event or that choice or that whatever it is, we're only seeing the downsides of it. We're only going, oh, but this and this and this and this. If you want to integrate it and you want to move beyond it, you gotta look at the other side of it. You gotta take the time to go, yes, but or and how will it serve me 
And how will it put the twinkle back in my eye? How will it help me get closer to being who I am? How will that help my kids? How will that help my spouse? How will that help my business partners? How will that, how will it, how will it, how will it benefit, 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 benefit? The moment you crack that fear, green light, there's nothing stopping you. So let's say now we've tackled that and we're pursuing what we love. How important uh, is the word no? (laughs) (laughs) I was, I read an article today on a girl uh, from London who has now moved back in with her family at age 30 because she said yes to going to two many uh, bachelorette parties and weddings and spent all of her money and now is in complete debt mm-hmm. because she is having a hard time selling no to her friends because she's going to feel guilty. Mm-hmm. So learning how to say no is just as important as knowing how to say yes. <laughs> you have to be able to use both of them interchangeably, sim- you know, like not interchangeably, but to the same degree. So if you say if you say yes all the time, but you don't know how to say no, because you're afraid that you're going to disappoint others, that's usually why we don't say no, right? I'm afraid that they're not gonna like me or I'm gonna disappoint them or whatever it is, or I'll disappoint myself in some way. Um, Or people err on the side of just no, 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 because they're afraid and then they don't ever take risks and chances. So if you're too much of a yes, or you're too much of a no, you ain't growing. You You are staying stuck. So you got to be able to do green light, red light, right? Yes, no. I'll say one other thing about the no. If I do not say no to you, even though every part of me inside is screaming, say no, I do end up saying no. It's just not to you. It's to myself and my own dreams. So somebody gets the no. So the question... So the question ultimately is, who's going to get the no, you or them? You don't ever get out of saying no. Does so that make the courage <laughs> to pick yourself and your dreams or temporary uh, satisfaction for another individual? Am I going to spend my time and energy making sure that you're happy while I'm then saying no to myself and I'll just beat myself up and I'll send myself further and further into a cycle of not feeling fulfilled? Or do I take the chance and say no to you, saying yes to me, and who knows, you might have actually just gained the respect of the person that you finally have the courage to say no to. Or at minimum, you also set them free out of a dynamic that they, were ha- that they were saying no to, or that they were having a hard time saying no to. So you might have actually, even though there's temporary discomfort, you might have actually been the catalyst, not only for your growth, but for their growth, so that everybody in the system gets to transcend to the next level. So but everyone's getting what they want. Everyone's getting what they want. But if you can't figure out how to say no and risk feeling the discomfort of that, you can't even be the catalyst for that. It's you huge. That, listeners? It's huge. Like, you're so worth it. You're so worth it. I'm not sure where I want to even take this now. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I want to do, I want to cover um, financial empowerment from a, female's opinion mm-hmm. from a successful worldwide global entrepreneur. Yes. Um, finances for me has been a journey. I'm just, I'll just be honest. You know, I had a lot of messages that, so the shoulds that we've been talking about, I had a lot of messages about, is it okay to make money as a woman? If I make a lot of money, what will people think of me? Uh, what if I make more money than the person I'm in relationship with? You know, will a guy be attracted to me if I have a lot of money? Will they feel disempowered? 
will people judge me? Will people want to take advantage of me? I mean, I had so much brain noise about making money that um, it was one of the key hurdles that I had to work through in being able to achieve the success that I have been able to, to achieve now. I mean, so much so that I had ingrained in me that if I make money, I'm going to lose everybody that I love because I had this idea that they would be jealous of me and they wouldn't want to relate to me anymore. And then therefore we couldn't even hang out. I mean, that was just my story. That was my brain noise that was going on. And so for me, never having taken a business class, I never studied money, um, never having had read a book on finances, you know, my dad being an entrepreneur managed the finances, but he didn't talk to me about it. You know, I, I didn't actually learn about it. I just saw my dad handle finances, but that didn't do anything for my own, you know, decision-making process or my understanding of money or wealth. And I really had, I really struggled through this belief that if I had money, it meant either something bad was going to happen for me, it was loss of relationship or I would be judged, which was also loss of relationship or that somehow I would be this like narcissistic, you know, uh, money hungry. I don't really know what, right. And what I've learned is that the more money I make, the more of service I want to be to people. That's actually been the truth. The, I mean, yes, I want to live a comfortable lifestyle. Yes, I want to be able to experience things that life offers. But it, for me, it's not just this place of because I just want a bunch of stuff. It's how I want to learn. Like if I make money, I get to go and travel to different places in the world and I get to teach and I get to be of service. When an organization from another country calls me and says, hey, Lisa, we want you to come in and keynote, but guess what? Our budget is only, you know, this and your Mm -hmm. rate is this. When I have the financial security inside, I get to go, let's talk about that. Maybe I can still come because I'm not seeing it as the only reason why I would go is because you're going to pay me this amount. I have the freedom to go, let's, let's find fair exchange in other ways because I see how I could be of service to the people that you would love for me to come and keynote at. Like that's, that's really big. And so I, I kind of had to put myself back in school. Okay. I didn't kind of, I had to put myself back in school and that meant reading books on, on finances, learning about investments. I mean, people would have conversations about investments and, you know, like my eyes would cross and like roll into the back of my head. Cause I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Learning about the stock market, having uh, conversations with financial advisors. And literally I remember my, my first conversation with a financial advisor was me sitting down and me going, so here's the deal. I need you to talk to me like I'm in preschool. That was literally how I started the conversation. I know nothing here. I am such a newbie at this. So I need you to talk to me as if I know nothing. And then we would talk about something and then I would go home and I would study it. You know, he would say, go learn about this kind of investment you know, and then I'd say, eh, I don't really know what that is. And I'd go read about it. Oh, that's what bonds are. I never knew what bonds are. Oh, you know, that's what those kind of investment. Oh, and I had to learn along the way and help create not just a money mindset that it's actually okay to have money, but that also, I mean, that's just not enough, Curtis. It's not enough to just go, yeah, I get it. I deserve money. I understand. Uh, I can appreciate money. It's, that's not enough. You actually have to understand how money works. You have to understand how to save money. You have to understand how to do a budget. You have to understand how to, I mean, I, I can't just think parenting is a good idea. I just, I also got to know how to do it. <laughs> I can think having money is a good idea, but I, I have to put my time and energy and effort 
into it if I want to grow it. And I think that as women, sometimes we're not given permission to do that because oftentimes it's taken care of for us. And it's an area as a woman that many of us are really, really disempowered in, which requires us to go, no, I don't want to be disempowered in this area anymore. Thank you very much. I want to empower myself. Can I share one thing about relationship that yeah. I think is really key? Mm-hmm. One of the best pieces of advice, financial advice that I got um, from a man, by the way, for money in a relationship was whatever you do in relationship, whatever kind of relationship you have, whether you're married, whether you're just living together, you know, that kind of thing, keep your finances as if you're divorced. Don't lose sight of your own financial empowerment. Do not delegate, literally from a man, do not delegate your financial empowerment to a man. Make your own money, save your own money, invest your own money so that that relationship can come and go as it needs to. If that relationship someday needs to transform, you're not locked into it because of finances. Many women stay in relationship because of money. Because they're so disempowered financially. They don't know what they would do without the financial support of the man. I mean, so that, you're, trapped. That's, you're trapped because of the, the financial disempowerment. So, you know, you can create a joint account where you both can contribute into it. And that's your like couple's money and you know, that's when we do our vacations or for saving for, you know, home together or whatever it is. And that's your joint money. That's great. But you got to have this whole other side of it that is truly just yours where you can keep building your own financial wealth. And women out there, let me just go ahead and call bullshit on something that I've heard over the years because I've been told this. Lisa, you know, you're, you're such an entrepreneur. You're so successful you know, you, uh, you're financially, you know, conscious, you're a great mom, blah, 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 blah. You're never going to find a guy that can keep up with you. You know, men will always be intimidated by you. Men will always, I mean, people say this, Mm -hmm. it's bullshit. It is complete bullshit. The moment that you as a woman own your value and your worth, you will attract the man that sees your value and their worth. I'll share one little piece here. So the, the gentleman that, um, that I'm in relationship with, uh, this happened literally just two weeks ago. We were having a conversation one morning and he made some comment about, oh, it's time for me to, you know, get my day going or something like that. And I said, oh yeah, like some silly comment of like, you don't want to keep talking? And he literally goes, Lisa, let's be honest here. In order for me to keep you (laughs) in order for you to stay inspired by me i need to live an inspiring life because you're a woman that will not settle for being with a man who is not willing to get up in the morning and go after what he loves you won't settle for that because you don't settle for that in your own life So here's the deal. If I don't get going and go keep working on the fulfillment in my own life and building my own wealth, you'll leave. And I love you. So I'm going to go continue to inspire myself so that you feel inspired by me. That's hot. That's hot. That's totally hot, right? Yeah, he's got the twinkle. It's totally got the twinkle. And the same thing is true. If I were to stop being me and I were to stop doing what I'm doing, I would become less inspiring to him. So it goes backwards. It goes both ways. So I offer that up as women for, for, you know, as a message for women, get yourself empowered, get yourself inspired. There are men out there that are waiting, waiting, waiting to meet a woman who's got the freaking sparkle and twinkle in their eyes waiting and who are happily, happily willing 
to join you on the quest and the adventure of life where you're both going for it. Totally. Yeah. How important is that twinkle for both people to have? In the relationship. Totally. And, you know, I'll say something else too about relationship dynamics because this happens also. I mean, we go through periods where, you know, we can feel like we're on rocky ground in our own lives or feel a little lost. And so we temporarily lose the twinkle. Well, what happens if you're in a relationship with someone who also doesn't have a twinkle? I can't actually borrow their twinkle. When I lose my twinkle, I need to look in my partner's eyes as a reminder of my own potential, as a reminder of my own twinkle. And if I'm looking across at a partner who has no twinkle, I'm like, okay, what's going to happen is my head's going to turn and I'm going to start to look for, yo, who's got the twinkle? <laughs> Truly because I no longer feel inspired in the relationship. Sometimes How we gotta borrow. How important is it for your yeah. partner to understand uh, that you have a purpose bigger than just being in uh, a relationship and doing, oh, it's uh, after 5 p.m., we could hang out now. I mean, for me, if, if, if my partner doesn't understand that I, believe that I'm up to something quite wonderful in the world and that there's nothing that's going to stop me from sharing and teaching and speaking and inspiring others. If my partner expects me to be home every single night at five o'clock for dinner. Now I may come to the point when that's what is inspiring to me, but that's just not where I'm at this point. So if my partner is expecting me to be different than who I am right now, my partner's just gonna be really disappointed. Like really, really, really disappointed. That's what it boils down to. So does it boil down to really defining your purpose and having something bigger than just yourself and your immediate uh, people in your life? I, I think so. I think so. It's the, I'm, I'm reminded of that quote you know, do you like yourself when it's just you, like when you're alone? I don't know the exact quote, but it's that, that sense, right? When it's just you, do you like yourself? If you can't tolerate being alone with yourself because you don't feel deeply inspired by being who you are, you as a being, how is somebody else going to? What are some of the symptoms you see working with people mm -hmm. who come in who mm -hmm. aren't living according to who they are? I mean, it's a lot of the, the, the physiology pieces that we talked about. So um, it can go one way into irritable, like irritable, um, even really overly aggressive, really anxious, stomach aches, headaches, body tension, sort of like, like this kind of, or it can go into another place of more of a collapse type of a response where you're just more tired and lethargic and you have very little affect on your face, not very emotionally expressive, really, really contained, numbed out. So I think from symptom wise, that's what it feels like from a physiological place. And then behavioral wise, you're just looking for a lot of quick fixes. So life's not inspiring. So you do need that drink or you do need to watch the six hours of TV at night and get interested in someone else's life because your life isn't as interesting or, you know, you are pounding chocolate throughout the day because <laughs> that come out a little chocolate every once in a while, you know, right. but, but you know what I mean? Like you're pounding chocolate throughout the day or you are, you know, the only thing you can think about is sex. So you got like a sex addiction going on or gambling going on or these things that are, you're just trying to get lots of dopamine. You're trying to engage in these activities to help you feel good because life inherently just doesn't feel that great. And you don't like who you are at your core. So what's a great step someone could take uh, directed towards, let's direct it towards anyone. I don't care. Uh, to starting to unwrap that, to 
find something more meaningful in their life, to give themselves permission to go and do something fucking awesome. Mm -hmm. What's a step they could, what's some steps they could take? So depending on how loud the voice is in the, in their head, some people may already know what that is. And so if they already know what that is, I would have them go back and do the steps that we've already talked about. Identify the fears, identify those beliefs, start to tackle those. The other thing is some people may go, I just don't even know what it is. I just know that life just does not feel very fulfilling. So the first thing is even just permission, even just giving your mind permission to discover it is huge because some people haven't even asked that question. So, and that can be anything from, again, it's, 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 figuring out what you love to do on a daily basis. And this this creates, you know, there's some deep inquiry here. So just taking a really good look at your life. If you had the day to do whatever you want to do and nobody gave you any parameters, what would you do with your day? What are you doing with your day? The things that feel really meaningful and inspiring to you, even if you're only finding you're only able to do it for 15 minutes, but oh man, those 15 minutes are freaking phenomenal. You know, like start to really look at your life. Where, where are those moments when you're feeling alive? What are you spending your time and energy doing? What are you thinking about? Not the brain noise shit, but like, what are you thinking about that feels really meaningful to you? What do you spend your money on when you have all of a sudden some money? Those are clues to help you figure out where your energy is trying to go. And the more you give yourself permission to look at where's my energy trying to go, the more the picture will start to reveal itself. Any tips on how to, I know that could be probably scary for people to start to listen to that because it's so uncommon and so not, ingrained in society um so they might be scared mm-hmm. absolutely because afraid of losing what's around them and the uh discomfort through the transition absolutely the uh the, the mm-hmm. advice that i would give is deep breaths deep breaths remind yourself that you're worth it the pearl in the oyster did not become the pearl in the oyster because the sand was comfortable. That is not how the pearl came to be. The diamond did not become the diamond without the pressure, without the friction. You need the friction. You need the challenge. Embrace it. Turn towards it. Don't turn away from it. Recognize that the thing that you are most scared of is the path. Wherever your brain says don't go, go. That's where the answers are. Can you, let's dive into that real quick here. Cause we have the, uh, what some people say, Oh, I'm going to listen to my gut. Mm-hmm. Right. So you have the gut and then there's the intuition. Mm-hmm. So can you address those two aspects, those two components on how to listen to the right one? Mm-hmm. I actually think they're both important to listen to because so that your gut instinct is very, it's, it's a very primitive response and it's very much working from your reptilian brain. And it's really looking at really on a, on a really basic level, safety, feeling of safety. So it's like, you know, you, you walk into a room and you, your, your gut instinct, is there something creepy going on? So that's, that's your instinctual animal brain kicking in, going, get the hell out of there. Something, something's off here. It is wise to look, to listen to that. That's not the one that I would listen to, though, when I'm planning my, my vision and my future. So we could almost talk about your gut being, that's the one that's going to keep you safe in the moment. That's your more, that's the smaller time horizon one. So safe in like a physical manner. In a, in a physical manner. Okay. Exactly. Your intuition or the vision or the, your inspired mission, that's your long-term one. That's the, that's, that's the big one. That one isn't about safety so much. That one's about, but what, if I only knew that I had 10 more years left on this planet, what would I do with my life? That one. You know, if I, if I could contribute one thing in this world, what would I contribute? 
if, if I have children, if I were to pass away next year, what's the one thing that I would want to be remembered for? What's the one message that I would want my kids to hear from me? What's the one thing that I would want to model to my kids if I could model anything to my kids? That. Use those kinds of questions to start to prompt the, the, the inspired mission or the inspired, inspired vision. That's different than the, the gut, which is, you know, get out of here kind of a thing. Thank you. You're so welcome. This, this, was, has been, this is an this awesome is, conversation. It's totally awesome. This is so fun. This is great. It is great. Yeah. Thank and you for coming on. You are so welcome. And Curtis, you are a living example of everything that we talked about on this show. So super awesome that you are doing these interviews and inspiring people. Pretty freaking amazing. Well, thank you, Lisa. And before you go, can you tell us, tell the audience where they could find you? Oh, sure. So you can go to my website, which is lisa-dion.com. And there you can get all kinds of information about me and my trainings and coaching and keynoting and all that kind of fun stuff. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Bye-bye.